Hello. Three different platforms, all live and mostly functioning. Nobody can escape us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might be able to escape us, but you cannot escape the presence and knowledge of the Lord. He, or his or his wrath. <laughs> he he is always there and he knows our deepest thoughts before we think them. He knows our feelings. He knows our struggles. And so he can also uh, know the things that, that obviously that we don't. So he knows the difference sometimes between our weakness and our rebellion when we uh, choose to cling to our weaknesses and embrace them as our identity mm. rather than um, turn them over to him. So that's kind of what we're talking about today as, as we look at uh, Numbers once again. We're going to spend some time in Numbers 13 and 14 as we kind of go back over um, the story that we've already looked at as the uh, the children of Israel arrive uh, at the, the front, front porch of the Promised Land, and uh, they kind of reverse the ring camera and look inside, and what they see is awesome, but it's scary because there are obstacles and just seems too hard. And um, as we're Talking about this idea of being framed in frailty today sometimes feels too hard for us. In fact, in Preach. something to rant about before we were getting started, there are any number of things that today in this very moment uh, feel too hard for, for either one of us as we're going through it. So um, just know that uh, as you're hearing this. Um, we're not hearing it on YouTube. Or, or, yeah, or seeing it. <laughs> Uh, without, oh, you're going to offend somebody with that. <laughs> seeing it without the uh, the audio working very well, um, that that we're we're praying for you and just uh, you know we prayed together before we started, but just want to take a moment now um, to be able to to pray for those who are, are uh, listening or watching and uh, as well as for ourselves. So uh, why don't we do that now, Heavenly Father? I want to thank you for uh, just the privilege uh, as your children to be able to come to you. Uh, and to pour out our needs to our Father. Lord, as we uh, enter into this concept of, of understanding our, our frailness, our weakness, and knowing what to do about that, um, I just want to lift up anybody right now who is listening or watching, knowing that you hold them in your hands. You are a sovereign God, and you are good. You are great, and you are good. And because we know this about you, Lord, we can trust you. So help us to turn over to you the things that are difficult in our lives, the things that plague us or frustrate us. Uh, Lord, take our focus off of ourselves and help us to desire you more, to see Christ as most precious, so that in the midst of whatever it is that is, uh, that is troubling us, that we could find the root of it. And the root ultimately uh, is the, the dissonance between our reason for existing and the way we actually think. So um, change our minds, help us to renew them through your word. Father, teach us to repent and give us a heart for repentance that we would turn from our way to your way. And in the midst of this, we do seek your comfort. We ask that, that you would carry us and that you would help us to see truth as it is. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So as we're, um, as we're kind of working through this, one of the things that we see in this particular story is that the whole crux of the book of, of Numbers is here in that um, the, the unfaithful choices, the unfaithful decisions of the children of Israel 
do lead to consequences. They lead to God's mm -hmm. wrath. And so this entire generation is going to, uh, they're going to fall in the wilderness. They're not going to actually enter the promised land. And yet God remains faithful. He does exactly what he has intended to do. And what they refuse to receive because of their lack of, of faith. And when I say faith, I don't mean some mystical kind of thing. It's a willingness to trust God when things get hard. Not, it really is nothing fancier than that. And, and even though we try to make faith out to be some mystical feeling that um, some people have and some people don't, it's not that. It's just simply the matter of choosing to obey and to trust God in the midst of things not looking the way we want them to. And, and when we look at Hebrews 11.1, 1, the idea there is that faith is being sure and certain of the things that are true. We already know are true even when everything around us causes them to not feel true. It doesn't, right. doesn't look true. doesn't seem true. You know, if God loves me, then why is this happening kind of stuff? It's being able to make that decision to say, I don't feel it, but I choose it anyway. Mm -hmm. I choose to recognize reality as reality rather than try to live in my fantasy world of what ifs and, and why couldn't this be and so on and so forth. Those those are dead end streets that end up inevitably causing us frustration, pain, disappointment, um, anxiety. You know, anxiety, loneliness. All of these things come from that same thing of, of wanting what I don't have. And that's been a theme, actually, as we've been going through numbers. Uh, or, or, well, it's since chapter 11, 11, 12 and 13 and, and 14 is we see that um, the people want what they don't have. God's right. given them great things, but they don't seem great. Right. because they want something else. Right. So you're craving meat when God's giving you manna. You you know you don't you want to get to the promised land, but you don't want the journey to be hard. Uh, you get to the promised land and it's better than you can imagine, but you don't want to have to go through the giants, you know, and all these different kind of things that are not, you know, it, it's easy for us to to castigate the uh the Israelites. We do the exact same thing. Yeah, you think? I mean, especially it, in today's like social media forward society. Right. That's, you know, you're always looking at things with the, the grass is always greener point of view because you see the highlight reels of people's lives and hundred percent, you know, think, Oh, most of which is fake. Yeah. People's lives are not as well. Like, yeah, it's, like, it's, a, it's a highlight reel. Nobody's going to post, you know, the argument they had with it. Well, some people do. Don't, don't <laughs> well, do that. No one's going to post the argument they had with their husband or whatever. On right. Facebook. You had this beautiful, perfect, right. you know, my child is perfect and, right. and everything is awesome. And you get this great picture and nobody, you know, acknowledges the fact that it took three hours of arguing right, to get to that place, right. you know, you, and, and then you get done. And by the time you get home, you've already had another fight. Things right. are bad right. because people are selfish. All of us are selfish. It's the nature of us. If you think you're not selfish, it's because you're too selfish to see how selfish you are. You're living in oblivion. All of us are selfish and we have to repent of that. And that selfishness creates this problem that, right. in us. We have a sin nature that wants my way, wants it to be about me, not wants God's glory. We talk about wanting God's glory, but that's not our natural inclination. That's something that only the Holy Spirit brings about in us mm -hmm. because my inclination is for me to be glorified, for me to be comfortable. You know, it's the weather's kind of gross outside today. Anytime you see wintry mix in the Weather Channel forecast, it's gross. Oddly enough, it was my nickname in high school. <laughs> Wintry mix or yeah. gross? Because gross well, was mine. Take you know, it's a, anyhow. Here comes old wintry mix. <laughs> hey, there's that gross guy. <laughs> but anyway, as, as we're, you know, kind of working through this, 
it's an unpleasant day. Yeah. It, I have to go outside to do some things. I don't want to, you know, and it, it, it just don't want to. It's, I, I want to be comfortable. I want to, as you said earlier, sit and not earlier here, but earlier in, in the premium content. Before, before you know, we were in the digital space. <laughs> we, you know, it's just a good day to sit on the couch and, you know, have a bowl of chili or some hot a chocolate, you know, and, and watch a movie or a ball game. Although, you know, it's Tuesday, there's no good ball games on. So with all of the things that, that you might want to do, reality says something else. Right. People get up and go to work and have jobs and you don't want to get up and go to work right. and have a and you job. You got to come sometime. home and do laundry. And and do this and that's just a little sidebar here. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about the difference between a job and a career. And I don't, my personal belief, this is me. If you don't like it, get mad at me, send me emails. I probably won't answer. Um, I'll send them to Stacy. Cool. <clears throat> but anyway, the reality of it, in my opinion, is that having a career is not noble. Careers are not noble because careers are self-rewarding. I, I have a career that makes me feel good, that I like, that I get praised for, gives me fulfillment. Having a job is different. Having a job is doing what it takes because I'm a single mom. I got to feed my kid. And so I end up working at McDonald's. Oh, I'm too good to work at McDonald's. Oh, well, sorry. Got to feed my kid. Right. So I work at McDonald's. I do whatever it takes to make it happen. That's noble. Having a career that makes me feel good, you know, whether that's as a pastor, I mean, pastors struggle with this all the time. Pastors have such a struggle with pride because you think you're somebody because you're right. in a profession. And, and the career. reality is you're nobody. And right. the quicker you realize that, the more fulfilled and satisfied. And it's almost like a slippery slope because when you're in a career or on a career path, you're almost kind of always looking to climb the ladder. Right. And it's always about me, 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 me. What can I do to get to that next step to make me better, to get more money, to get more recognition, to get whatever. Right. So, yeah. And, and it's one of my beefs, you know, from a pastoral perspective, it's one of my beefs with this idea of uh, Pastor Appreciation Day or Pastor Appreciation Month. The, the last thing somebody who stands in front of people needs is an ego stroke, you know, you, you, right. and, and I think in my experience, and I'm, I'm sure this isn't the case everywhere. In my experience, I think pastors are greatly overappreciated a lot of the time. Are, sometimes there are unhealthy churches where unhealthy people feel or say unhealthy things uh, about to or about the pastor, usually about, not usually to. <laughs> and very often pastors are unhealthy as, as well. We all are sinners that have to deal with things. So whatever situation we're in, um, we have to recognize that we are not as strong as we think we are, mm -hmm. which by the way, is a great Rich Mullins song. You can look that up sometime. Um, we're, we're not as strong as we think we are. We have all these things that uh, we pride ourselves on or we want to pride ourselves on. And then when we can't, we get really upset because things don't go the way we want. I don't get the acknowledgement that I want, or I, I'm not able to do what I want, or the, the fearfulness, which is another fear also comes out of this pride idea that I, I want to go in here, but I'm not strong enough to handle the giants. Right. You know, I see this great promised land, but I can't do it. You know, Caleb says, hey, let's go. We can certainly do it. And they, no way. They're too tall. They're too big. They're too many. We can't do it. Well, that's pride. That fear is pride because I'm relying on myself and what I can see and what I can know and what I'm able to do about it. And if I feel like I can't, it's because I can't. And it was never about me in the first place. Mm. It's always been about relying on the Lord. That's the reason we exist. It's like that old, you see it everywhere on memes. I'm reaching for an invisible cup of coffee that I don't have. That's, so. yeah. Um, that God never gives you more than you can handle. But, yeah. But 
<laughs> That's and a great I, fantasy. Because because false, right? Hundred percent false. <laughs> he, he totally gives you more than you can handle because you're not supposed to handle it. And that's why I really struggle with that. Because as a person who likes to be in control of things, right. but I, I, you know, sometimes he slaps you across the about face. Yeah. You know, uh, whether you're talking about lab work in college or you know group work in high right. school, all the different things that you do, you know, those who are drivers and independent thinking people often hate that, mm -hmm. right? Because now I'm tied to somebody else here and I don't get to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I don't get to, to be in control and right. do that. That's a really hard for an alpha type to, to do, you know, and depending on what sort of personality, you know, inventories and tests you like to rely on. I don't like any of them, so it doesn't matter. Um, but however you feel um, about that, shows a lot about where we are, you mm -hmm. know? And, and so one of the reasons that, that we don't like that is there are so many people who are willing to just drift and coast right. and let you do the work while they take the credit right. or stick their nose in to do something that they do badly. And they're not really putting out the best effort. And so all of these different things come together in a group project in school, which is ostensibly why they do it. So you can learn to handle these things. That's another conversation. But as we're working through life, life really is a group project. I mean, we really don't get to go through things on our own. And the benefit of learning to rely on others is it helps us learn to rely on the Lord. And, you know, we were talking about this recently as far as uh, marriage and parenting and so on. And, uh, you know, and there are a lot of, even as I say this, I know that there are listeners, you know, thousands and thousands of people. <laughs> <laughs> who, who pay attention to what Cheer we're saying up. here, uh, who are in situations where you're either, you know, a, a single parent, you want to be married and you're not, or, you know, you are married and you don't want to be all these different kind of situations where it's not, not a great uh, picture in general, but it's designed to help us mature. It's a discipleship right. tool. So with the way God laid marriage out of a, a man and a woman together forever, this forces us. For, the only way for that to work is an ongoing forced proximity. Mm. That's super romantic to say it that way. But this idea that we you are the sweetest we are trapped in this relationship and choosing to see that as good, as right. a joyful thing, because it's it is to build us instead of the old ball and chain right. stereotype. It, it, right. It is. I mean, there's a reality to that. You know, you what. My wife and I said, I do that. That was it. That was for all time. The only way out of this is death. And, you know, I get nervous if she watches shows, but my wife doesn't watch shows like that. That's my sister-in-law about the snapped and the, you know, the, the, oh, I love the, true wife, crime the, the wife that goes nuts and yeah, kills her husband line. or, or plots it. it out for months and months. I would be concerned probably if my wife were watching those things. She doesn't, I'm glad she doesn't have time because she's living life. But anyway, as we're going through these things, the, all of it points to the fact that we're frail. Mm. COVID points to the fact that we're frail. Uh, you know, hitting your head on a, on a sink when you're painting points to the fact that oh, we're- Thanks for the, ousting me. The, I didn't mention any names. But <laughs> when that happens- it's very specific. We, we recognize <laughs> the, that in our concussed state, we recognize I'm not probably invulnerable, right? There's, there's a lot of frailty Take here. that for me to realize. <laughs> you know, how crazy is it that the entire world shut down over a microscopic virus, you know, you, there's, you, is that virus strong somehow? No, but we're so frail that those kinds of things just shut down 
entire nations, right? It's, it's mind boggling to think about it. That's just one picture of how very small and frail we are. And, you know, you, when you think about every day you get in your car, you know, and so many factors around sure. you that you don't control. We and all, you could be the best driver in the world, but you absolutely. could still get an accident. And, and you can feel like you're in control because right. you have a steering wheel and a brake pedal and a gas pedal. And except for my daughter-in-law who doesn't appear to have a brake pedal, just a gas pedal, but uh, just playing. Y'all know who you are. Anyway. Um, doing a lot of calling out today. <laughs> I probably should have had that coffee. Feeling a little snarky. <laughs> So it, it warms me up when I feel cold. It, it just kind of warms <laughs> the cockles of my heart. <sighs> so anyway, as we're looking at this, that's the picture that, that you know we really need to start with mm -hmm. is the humility that breaks us down and says, no matter what people tell you, no matter what people tell you, you are not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. All of the self-esteem garbage is self-poisoning. Yeah. Nice. Somebody who remembers Stuart Smalley. Uh, Back when SNL was pretty good. <laughs> Dennis made a Stuart Smalley reference uh, in youth group the other night. Did you just get blank and, stares and like, in return? Even his wife was like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, <laughs> SNL so peak, the, the teenagers the are like, they didn't even know he made a joke. You know, I'm, right. you know, I'm cracking up inside. But anyhow. Kindred spirit. So, Dennis, we are officially old. Anyhow, as we're yes, looking at this, the, the, the reality of all, all of it is we have to start with this broken, humbled place. Mm. People don't like that. No. This, there's a reason that people like messages from Joel Osteen and, you know, whoever else you want to throw in there that, that is doing this. But, you know, but Osteen's the, probably the best known. He's, you know, it's, it's a big message that. He's got big teeth. And, and he says, and I'm not trying to, to you know, knock Joel, uh, I want to knock what he's saying because what he's saying is garbage and it's a lie and, and not everything, but this message that, you know, God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to ever feel bad mm. that, you know, because he does life a lot is of the, good. your best life now, stuff. right? That, that you can live your best life now by doing these things. And there's such a, a self-esteem, right. you're good enough. You know, you're so worth it. The line in, in the great Hillsong song that, that we do here, and we change the lyrics to it because uh, if you're mad at us, Hillsong, contact us and we'll show you how you should have done it right. Ooh, Anyhow. Oh, um, he is snarky today. In the song, What a Beautiful Name, which is a beautiful song. We, we love it. It's a beautiful song. But there is a garbage, heretical line in there. Uh, in, is it the second verse that, where it, it says, you didn't yeah. want heaven without us? And the message of this, the message is so much of evangelicalism today. And I'm convinced this is why we have the problems with anxiety and sin that we have in our lives to a large extent. Not the only reason, but it is a key reason is it's telling us that we are so good that God loved us enough to send his son. That is the opposite of every message in the Bible. God loved the world that he created so much that he sent his son into our darkness while we were yet sinners, because we were sinners, specifically, and he goes to great lengths to drive this home to Israel and to, to point this out to the church, specifically because we in ourselves are garbage. Mm. We are not worth it. There is absolutely no reason that God should love us, that he should have sent his son for us, but God is better than I am. As I said to you beforehand, if it were up to me, man, grace would not be a thing. 
I like justice until it's applied to me. I like justice for everybody else, grace and mercy for myself. Mm -hmm. That's my sin nature. Mm -hmm. But God delights to show mercy to his people. So in the in this story going into Numbers, what we see is they send the spies in to check out the land, right? It seems kind of uh, semi-innocuous in, in chapter 13. Uh, the Lord tells Moses, send the spies in, and Moses tells the spies, here's what I want you to look for. They come back. There's no part of this that's an evaluation, no part of it that says, hey, go see if we can handle this, right? right. He does say, see what kind of cities they've got. Are they fortified or are they tents or what, you know, what are we dealing with? Bring back some of the produce if you can, right? They do. It's better than they imagine. But what we see in Deuteronomy 1, when Moses is retelling the story to the Israelites, they're, they're about to go in. Moses isn't. He's handing over the, the reins to Joshua as the Lord Jesus commanded him. Sorry. Yep. And as he um, as he tells that story there in, in Deuteronomy 1, verses 19 to 40, uh, he points out that the people were pushing him to send spies. The mm. people wanted this. They were clamoring for, for him to do this. Uh, and, and the picture that we have when we put these th two things together is that God sees our frailty. He sees our, our fears, our weakness. And rather than saying, oh, how stupid and stubborn are you that you're still struggling to believe? Mm. Forget it, we're done. Instead, what God does is says, okay, send the spies. Send the scouts in there so that you can see, so you can have a foretaste of what I'm about to give to you. That should have been the ultimate faith strengthening moment, right? Because God's showing here, I'm going to give you a sight. You don't have to just trust the faith alone. I'm going to give you sight. They see it. They still reject it. They even turn down God's blessings and want to go back to reverse the Exodus, essentially to abandon God and go back to Egypt because the slave owners in Egypt, Pharaoh, took better care of them than God did. That's the, the implicit message. And just pause to think about the fact that that's exactly what happens every time we covet, every time we you know get fearful and frustrated and we say, you know, I just don't know how I'm going to handle this. I'd be better off if I weren't doing this. I'm going to deconstruct my faith because it's it's too difficult or, you know, uh, well, I like Jesus. I just don't like, you know, organized religion and church. I don't need all that kind of stuff. What I'm saying is I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do it my way. Hmm. I'm going to go back to Egypt. I'm going to go back to doing my thing. It's too stressful for me to walk with God. So I'm going back to the bottle or back to the toxic relationship or I'm back to whatever, putting myself on the throne instead of God. God looks at it and he says, here's, here's your weakness. I want to work with your weakness. I want to help you see this. I want to help you get through it. But he doesn't let the rebellion, the wicked unbelief go unpunished. Whatever it comes down to in the end, those who persevere, who, who choose to trust him and obey, because that's what faith is and does, despite the fear, those are the ones that are overcomers, that he calls victorious, that will have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Those who have received Christ and persevere in that faith. For, the, for those who say, you know, I believe, but it's so hard, I'm going to turn my back. I'm going to go back to Egypt. You can stay in the wilderness if you want. Mm -hmm. God will give you that. He lets them take that path going back to Egypt. They don't actually get back there either. 
they die in the wilderness. But God keeps his covenant promises and he brings them forward. And so, as you know, when we're talking about this in our own lives, uh, the the struggle that that we have a lot of times is we want uh, we want all the all the feelings. Right. We want everything to feel right. And and then the devil will accuse us because we put so much weight on the feelings. If we don't have the right feelings, and the devil will right. tell us that, oh, clearly you don't have faith. But the picture that we have in the Bible of faith is obeying despite our feelings, mm -hmm. right? Our flesh can drive our feelings a lot of the time. We need to choose to cherish the Lord, to trust his word, to obey his command, even when it doesn't feel right. It feels heavy. It feels hard. And the world around us is calling us bigots and so on. And we say, look, I, I may deal with whatever temptations. Jesus faced all these temptations too, but he did it without sin. Therefore, I'm going to also do, you know, he's fulfilled that for me. I don't have to rely on my righteousness, but out of gratitude for that, I want to make myself a living sacrifice. I'm going to not lean outside of the camera. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to put myself on the altar so that since he died for me, I'm going to live for him because mm -hmm. the only thing that makes sense. Right. So um, understanding that, that those feelings aren't what, determine our spirituality they don't make it right should should free us it doesn't always but we need to, to take hold of this in, in our rational parts and say okay wait a minute if the feelings don't make it right then struggling with my feelings doesn't make it wrong that's just part right. of the moment right. Right? right feelings come and go just like you know in in a marriage being in love comes and goes that that's it, those are momentary things foundations are bigger so if the foundation is Christ's work, Christ himself, nothing chases, changes that. Nothing can take me out of his hand. So I don't have to stress about whether I feel faithful, right. whether I feel fearful. God's not judging those feelings. He's judging what you do in the face of those feelings. Sure. Will you choose to trust your feelings or trust your father? That's, that's what it comes down to. And if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times we choose the idol of our feelings yep. rather than our father. But when we humble ourselves, when we let go of that and, and come back and say, Lord, I'm yours. Save me. I, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to do this thing anymore. I don't, I don't like the life that I'm in, but I want to trust you to be in charge of it. I can't take the wheel anymore. Right. <laughs> so <clears throat> when we understand that God knows how we're made, Right, that that was our memory verse, Psalm 103:14. He knows our frame; he remembers that we're dust. He made us. He knows that we're frail. He's not blaming us for the way he made us. Right. And, and you hear that a lot when it comes to to uh, you know sexual temptation, uh, LGBTQ stuff, especially gender stuff. Now, the Lord knows the things that we feel better than we do before we do. The feelings aren't the issue. What am I going to do in the face of the feelings? Mm -hmm. If the devil gets me convinced that my identity is caught up in my feelings, in my temptations, in whether I think I'm a man or a woman, whether I'm uh, attracted to this person or that person, if the devil can get me wrapped up in that as my identity, that identity becomes an idol. Mm -hmm. And if I can get, if he can get me trapped in seeing myself as you know, I'm good enough and smart enough, I'm worth it, and God loves me because I'm worth it, then I become an idol, right? I put myself 
ahead of God. If he can get me trapped in the fact that I'm not good enough, that, that I'm still focused on me, right? That still becomes a pride issue. Right. It's just the, the flip side of the coin. Right. And if the devil can get me identifying with my failures, my weakness, my addictions, my struggles, and that's who I am, then I've made that identity once again an idol. What I need to do is recognize God is not going to tolerate wicked unbelief. You, you don't get a pass. Right. But what he is going to do is take our weakness, work with our weakness, give us a reason to trust him and to obey him and walk with us through it as we as we continue to, to uh, learn how to um, how to live in light of his grace and his mercy. So uh, there, there's a picture that I um, was got one minute. <laughs> trying to paint and I didn't really probably do a good enough job of it on Sunday. So in less than one minute, I just Ooh. want to make sure we draw out the idea that children who stumble never need fear a loving father. Mm. We so often uh, have a bad picture of God because of our imperfect fathers. Yeah. And so, you know, we, whether it's a, a father figure, a, a teacher, uh, a nagging mother, uh, a bad coach, whatever it is, that gives us this authoritarian view of God that, that says that God's looking to catch us doing wrong and strike right. us down. He's not. He loves us. He wants to lift us up. He disciplines us because he loves us. We will stop there with 30 seconds left. So thank you guys for listening. Um, if you have any questions or comments, you can leave them for us on Facebook or YouTube or send us an email, or you can use the Anchor app or the church voicemail, the church telephone number to leave a voicemail, which is 269-756-RLCC. And we will catch you guys next time.